Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. What started out as an inside joke among two self-proclaimed weirdos from Fort Worth, Texas, soon becomes much more than they bargained for when they decide to turn their conservative Southern ideology on its head and invent a new religion, all their own. In J.R. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius, we go on quite a journey. It is remarkable, and it is fun, and it is irreverent, and it's sometimes in a weird way serious as well. So I think that's a great way to sort of Get us get our conversation started, and I'm going to introduce to uh, to our audience uh, the director, producer, and writer, and that would be Sandy K. Boone, as well as the Right Reverend Philo Drummond or Steve Wilcox. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. Yes, thank you so much. I, I like I said, I it just had so much fun with this film. Let me start by asking the, the director, producer, and writer of J.R. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius, and that would be Sandy K. Boone. How did you hear about this particular I this church? Did, how did you hear about all this? <laughs> well, actually, uh, my late husband was a member of the group, and he met them. He had a dear friend that was in Dallas, Texas, and um, and they brought, they came all together and they were playing. He took him to go listen to a band called the Pink Boys. And they were all part of this group or knew this group. And that's how we originally met. So my late husband really was the reason he made the movie called Invasion of the Luminant People, which was also inspired by the Church of the Subgenius. And I used a lot of the clips of my late husband's movie uh, in the Subgenius movie. What year was this? Was this fairly recent or was it back in the day? When was that? Oh, no, no, no. That was uh, his, the original movie was done in 1980, 81. Yeah. Okay. For Invasion of the Limited People. But the, the group knew each other, 79, 80, that, that era. Okay. And Punk was thriving and, and uh, we were in Dallas. And then we had moved to Austin to uh, go to film school here at UT. Well, let's bring into our conversation Dr. Drummond, Steve Wilcox. Uh, Dr. Drummond, um, tell us a little bit about your your getting together with Reverend Ivan Stang, or also known as Douglas Smith. Tell us a little bit about the origin story of all of all of this. Okay, well, we've gotten together on some, just some kind of a group of people that were artistic and creative, and we had these Sunday brunches, and it was about the time of. Uh, when Jim Jones had the thing going on in Guyana, he talked 900 people into committing suicide, drinking the Kool-Aid, where that expression came from now, right? And uh, so we decided that, you know, well, gosh, if he could talk 900 people into killing themselves, couldn't we talk 900 people into giving us a dollar? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's got to be simple. And uh, so Reverend Stang and I, got the idea that we needed to start our own religious cult. And actually there was another, you know, another motivation going on. He and I both thought that we were really funny guys and that we thought we ought to be able to write comedy. And uh, one of the things we thought might be a good vehicle 
to display our, our talents would be to put this silly pamphlet together that was recounting this secret uh, organization. So we spent a lot of time visiting with the Scientologists and at Kankar and all these various uh, spinoff kind of uh, organizations that were, you know, uh, new agey, kind of new age, new world religions and things. And we went to a lot of seminars and he and I would sit in the front row and we would be taking copious notes about what we ought to include in our religion. You know, we had to make it kind of like a Frankenstein monster where we could take from every familiar trope from every major religion and mix it with all these weird uh, offshoots, these cult-like religions and, and come up with this pamphlet that we could leave places. And actually the leaving was secondary to the mailing out to, we mailed the, initially mailed the pamphlet to 350 publishers because we, <laughs> we were still thinking we'd get a job, you know, <laughs> somebody would see it and go, oh, this is funny. We should hire these guys, you know, like that really happens. So anyway, we were still young and naive and thought that was a possibility. Actually, we were shooting our shooting for Saturday Night Live. We thought that's where we ought to be writing comedy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we put together this pamphlet. We mailed it out and we started leaving it in places. We didn't know what to do. It was hard to find a distributor for something that weird. And so we kind of started leaving it in the same places that all the weird weird religious organizations did. It was like a chick super chick track we could leave in. <laughs> places we even had a thing where we would visit uh local record stores and um uh secondary type uh you know alternative stores and things like that and we would sneak in there and leave our pamphlets on their periodical shelf it was always interesting to me to, i wish i could have figured out what it would be like to be at the store when somebody brought it up to ring up and, <laughs> and they was the first, maybe the first time the, that the person who was ringing it up, I'd even seen it. And, uh, but we, we called that drop lifting. It was like the op opposite of shoplifting, you know? <laughs> so we did that for a while. And, but the mailing was a big deal. There was some peripheral. We got a lot of, I have a big collection of rejection notes of rejection letters. There's like a hundred of them, uh, three of which ultimately published our, our publications later on after, after we'd made a little bit, uh, they ca we came back to them and they had, uh, actually published a couple of our books, but this, this big, big rejection list, uh, a few of the people that had been peripherally involved in some of those publishing organizations, one of which was like Ripoff Press, which was publishing underground comic books and things yeah. like that. And we got the attention of some people like R. Crumb and yeah. Paul Mavridis and a lot of uh, our West Coast underground comics artists liked it a lot. Um, the story goes is that the publisher threw it in the trash Paul Mavridis retrieved it from the trash and gave it to Doug Wellman, who was another early, um, early uh, hierarchy member. Uh, he's known as Puzzling Evidence, and he was the one that kind of exposed us to the whole idea of this big tape network that existed at the time, which got us involved in making uh, a lot of recordings and distributing recordings in this. It's kind of like pre-internet days, so um, I don't know, maybe you were even aware of it. I think that's probably some documentary 
material there for this giant tape network, uh, cassette mm -hmm. tape network that existed back then when people could, they'd make tapes and send it to these various people on this network and then they would trade with other people. And it was uh, something that kind of at the time was very popular in underground circles. So that's, he was one of the ones that got us started on, on the whole audio portion of the church. But, you know, after the initial, the initial pamphlet, we got, we got quite a bit of feedback, only none of it had really any real money attached to it. Uh, a lot of great attention from interesting people. Um, but so wasn't too long after that, that we started thinking about, well, if we're really a cult, we better have, a, we better have another pamphlet. We better have some testimonials. We better have, you know, questionnaires. We need all this ancillary type material that will, uh, prove, you know, okay, well, we're, we're actually a real cult. Yeah. We may be kind of a joke cult, but it's still a serious joke and we take it seriously. And so, you know, that's. Uh, we went we went forth with sort of that perspective, and it it started to really roll quite a yeah, bit. Yeah. And well, um, it, well, just just real quick, the, there there is something about this, and in fact, in the film, you pose that question. You and uh, uh, Reverend Stang talk about the this idea that you could have been uh, a Scientology if you had chosen to, and and. <laughs> I mean, you could have. Now, this wasn't your predisposition, and it, it didn't at all. But the idea that you were getting people who got what you were talking about, and I think that's the important part. I'll sort of classify these people, amateur psychologists that I am, but they're sort of this anti-authoritarian, free-thinking people who had been diametrically opposed to joining a Scientology, however, would have been completely enthralled with the idea of joining an anti Scientology. Exactly. Cult. Yeah. That, so that was part of our main thrust at the very beginning is that we we want to make this for we want to make it for people who feel alienated by society, for people that are not joiners, people that are loners, people that you don't want to join things. How do you get the how do you find those people and how do you tap into not necessarily how do you do it, but those are the ones we were aiming at, you know, yeah. the the everybody who was like the rejections of society you know yeah. and uh and then we would like kind of like groucho marx you know i wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member but <laughs> you know those were the people we were looking for yeah. the yeah. ones <laughs> that didn't want to be members of the club that would well, have them as a member so well this is exactly why i wish i had been aware of you because i use i used to use that line all the time to oh, describe yeah. my own life back in that time. Yeah, I was a big Groucho fan who was who was also a classic anti-authoritarian, anti-joiner kind of guy. Oh, His yeah. personality was such. Well, I want to want to ask Sandy in terms of sort of uh, the challenges in sort of telling the story as as Reverend Drummond has just laid out. It was there was so there was there's so much here, and you could kind of get caught up in a lot of the detail of it. Sort of, what was your challenge in trying to tell this story? Because you had the two principals here, uh, obviously the two people who really made this thing run. Um, what did you find in terms of you know storytelling that you you wanted to try and try and accomplish? Well, actually, there's many uh, 
difficulties in telling this story because as Dr. Drone will tell you, there's all these different schisms. And so though <laughs> he and Ivan Stang are supposedly the leaders or the founders, yes. everybody runs their own show. So there's like, there was an, uh, an Arkansas group and a San Francisco group. And there's a group in that uh, Dr. Uh, oh, what was his name? Um, Oh, I'll think of it in a second. Anyway, he was out of Florida and they're all doing their own spin on what this is supposed to be. And they're all claiming that theirs is the most important part of <laughs> so genius or, you know, the most vital part. And, and, and so it's just having all those different personalities and trying to get a not, you can't ever get everyone in this because there's so many people. There was a group in uh, Brighton, London. There's a group in Australia. There was a group in Canada. I mean, they're really all over the world. And so one of the issues has been there's too much material to put in an hour and 20 minute movie or under two hour movie. And so we had to break it down and and try to come up with to explain what the what the church was with many definitions that a lot of people have never heard of. They don't know what a pink was or a normal. And then as you're trying to give certain definitions, the church is truly, the people that are interviewing are saying, well, that's their definition of the same word. And so you never <laughs> really, I mean, they don't want to be defined. So that made it difficult. So I had to yeah. come up with a storyline that would not only explain their history, uh, encompass as much of the church as I could, but also relate to our our modern world. So this wouldn't just be a subgenius movie, and uh, right, and, right, and use it. So hopefully, the church would not only tell their story, and we wanted to do what Doug asked, which is you know they're getting older, they're concerned that they would turn into a Scientology or Mormonism if they if the truth didn't finally come out, and and there were too many people at the time that really wanted this to be a real cult, so that was an issue, and then also show how cults and cult practices are used in politics today. That gave it the world renowned, you know, information and, and connections. So people wouldn't, if they weren't even interested in subgenius, they could see how these guys that were really, I hate to say this, Dr. Drummond, but nobody from Dallas, Texas turned this thing into a worldwide cult, whether it's a joke or not, it still was a cult. Right. Well, I, I you know, and Sandy, I thank you for saying that because that is what the film is. It is, a film that if you had and I had no idea that the 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 church of the subgenius uh, uh, existed until I saw the film, <laughs> and and so for me, I it was just such an enjoyable watch. And uh, and one of the things that I again I think the the Reverend Drummond would would echo this, and that is this is a this is a church, and I'm, I'm using air quotes here, air, um, <laughs> church that promotes schisms. Which I just and there's just so many things the devival instead of a revival all the things about it are are intended in my opinion are intended to like flashing red lights to say this is what you this is the part where you normally we would talk be talking to you about joining and getting your family to join we're not here to do that we're in fact we're here to make sure your family doesn't join. <laughs> <laughs> the church and, and i mean there's just so many things about it that are are funny satirical and true and i think that's 
that's the subgenius of of what their this their their philosophy is is while all of these things on some level are a lot of fun are also pointing out some some hard truths about social um social norms that's true and one of the things that i kept saying through the entire movie uh, not on screen was, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. How am I going to get the broader audience to be interested, watch this movie and actually learn something when they walk, when, once they walk away, you know, take something with them. And yeah. I, it's the guy's humor. I mean, they're hilarious. And yeah. a lot of these people, and they're actually, uh, I, in fact, one of the subgenius just accused me of, uh, revealing that, uh, that they are truly teddy bears and that was not supposed to what was happening. <laughs> well, 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 you know, it, when you walk into this hornet's nest of terrible people, Sandy, <laughs> you, this is what's going to happen. I want to remind our listeners that we're talking with the director, producer, and the writer of this wonderful film, J.R. Bob Dobbs and the church of the Subgenius. And uh, so that that's, that's just important. And I'm going to uh, ask Reverend Drummond here, and I have to ask you this because I'm a comedy nut. I go way back with all this stuff. But were you guys influenced at all by Firesign Theater? Oh, yeah, definitely. We were big Firesign Theater fans. Um, we, you know, one of the terms early on in the church, one of the terms that Reverend Stang and I developed was the term called macho irony. Mm -hmm. Is that we wanted this to be as as ironic as it could be. So yeah. sometimes we would say we would say the most blatant lies, but we try to do it with the straightest face possible, right. make them sound as as true as they are. And people would say, I can't believe you can say that with a straight face. But I mean, that was part of the whole thing is that, you know, we really enjoyed the whole sense of irony and tried to put it into everything. And, you know, kind of like nowadays, nobody gets a joke anymore. It's sort of like we're in a, a post irony period. <laughs> we are. People don't people don't even understand it anymore. You know, you get in trouble for joking around, saying the wrong things. It's real easy these days. You know, and those were the kind of things that we kind of filled our filled our cart with back in the old days. You know, so it's. And part of that was in that time, making fun of something and showing how ridiculous it was, was a, was a good way to teach people about things. We did over time build a, a pretty large community of people that even today all communicate with each other. You know, they've got, there's probably 25 different Facebook groups where people are, you know, the Subgenius Film Society, the Subgenius Book, Book Club and mm -hmm. Subgenius Slack Hole and all these different places that people gather in sort of in the name of Bob and, <laughs> and they do it, they do it. It's just part of their lives. And yeah. for some people, it really did fill that void, that, that sense of community that maybe in the past was filled by a church or some religious organization. Now is like, we can get all that same stuff that they used to offer, but we can get it from these guys, you know, this, yeah, yeah. And and uh, we can sort of make up our own rules and uh, and just be people. And and so that's been kind of interesting as the community that has developed over time. And that, and Sandy said something about it earlier. It's not like we were afraid we we're going to pass up, pass away tomorrow or anything. But there's a lot of people out there that up until, you know, I would say maybe a year or two years ago, 
they didn't know that Steve Wilcox and Philo Drummond was the same person because, you know, for 40 years, I never let my guard down. I, when I was Philo, I was Philo. You know, he had a little bit different personality than Steve does, you know. And I think that a lot of subgeniuses who chose their own subgenius name were ready to assume an identity that they felt inside for a long time, but didn't feel comfortable wearing it in public, you know. I do want to go back to because the, we were talking about the late 70s, early 80s is when the church began to form and come up with the the sort of the iconography and sort of the some of the broad outlines of, of the church. But you know, this is an era and I'm going to go back and sort of betray my uh, my age here a little bit. But I mentioned Firesign Theater. There was the National Lampoon Radio Dinner Hour. There were oh, a yeah. lot of there was a lot of humor around during that time. That was ironic. That was sardonic. That was that was had turned things on its head. Took took convention and really torqued it. Really made it weird, right? And I right. think of R. Crumb. You mentioned him earlier as some of these. There was that late '60s into the '70s. That sort of mindset. Uh, it was about anti-authoritarianism. It was about you know f the man. You know he's not going to tell me. That's all that stuff. And over time, it, it got a little weird and a little misogynistic over time. But but there, there was a real nice period there where it was genuinely funny, genuinely heartfelt. And I think for me, that's what you embody in 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 the film and in the whole that you, you captured that sort of zeitgeist. It is that am I being fair to you and to the church? Oh, yeah, I think so. And I think that's what Sandy was. She yeah. definitely picked that up in the yeah. film and. I don't know that we could have done it because we're just sort of too close to it, you know? Yeah, I want to ask Sandy, uh, we just got a couple more minutes. Uh, um, and uh, Sandy, you know, it's uh, what's there's a lot of fun things about it, but one of the things about uh, J.R. Bob Dobbs and the Church of the Subgenius, it was the finding the people who are fans, and Richard Linklater is in the film, Nick Offerman, Penn Gillette. Uh, there are a number of people that are cool people. <laughs> in the film what was it like to go to them and hearing what they had to say about the church well there's there are so many but uh, we even contacted our crumb but he was ill at the time and he could not do the interview but there were several that were willing and so and uh and david Byrne was a big part of it jonathan demi had passed uh he was a part of it and uh and Kiwi so herman were, paul rubens yes paul, that's right they were all but these were the guys that not only did um Nick Offerman and uh, uh, also Devo, Jerry Casale. Yeah, Jerry Casale. Right. But those are the, the, the guys that interviewed were the ones that said, actually agreed to. I've sent out many requests, you know, and saying who has time and who can do this. And, and, and the main thing, a lot of people that brought up some issues about uh, why did you have Rick Linklater? Well, the reason I had Rick is because he named his film Slacker. And it was all during the subgenius unit that was going on in Austin in the early 80s. And and I got him to admit that, yes, it, it, you know, in Rick's way, well, yeah, it did come from the term slack or, you know, from the subgenius. And that was a key point for selling this thing. You know, it was like, okay. And people go, why Rick? And I'm going, well, you know, this is why. And then Nick Offerman, it was really, his story is amazing about living on a farm in this rural area and when he, he didn't get any of the subgenius until he had gone off to school and then Penn Jillette was the same situation where 
his life was blown out of the water by this and how this mentality and this humor, you know, uh, affected his life and helped them to go beyond their, you know, uh, visions of what they were brought up with in their childhood. Thank you for bringing up Slack because I, I meant to bring that up with the uh, Reverend Drummond. Uh, and that, it, it, I know you're adverse to trying to exactly define Slack, <laughs> but I, I just like to hear your take for the for the uninitiated, for those of us who have not been uh, members of the uh, the Subgenius Church, how would you describe to an outsider what Slack is? Well, <laughs> let me ask you a question. In your mind right now, what do you want Slack to be? That's okay. what it is. <laughs> what it you got it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> See, I put it right there in your mind, and you had your mind's eye, and you looked right at it. Yeah, I, I did. Well, that's amen, amen, Reverend, amen to you. I, I, uh, I'm at church today. I, I want to thank you for all of that. Um, well, this is it's been a blast. It's so much fun. The film is so much fun. Uh, it's called J.R. Bob Dobbs in the Church of the Subgenius. It is in virtual theaters. Actually, it's been in virtual theaters for a couple of weeks now. Tell us if we want to see this somewhere down the line, if we can see it now or if we can see it in the near future. Sandy K. Boone, how would we do that? Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on Fandango. It's on iTunes. It's on Apple. And it's on Voodoo right now. It's on. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Oh, yeah. you said Amazon. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. No, and you can stream it. The only way you can do it is rent it or buy it, but it's what, $4.99? Uh, yeah, it's like three ninety nine to rent and nine ninety nine to buy. To buy. I mean, it's like, don't buy it. You know, I'm never going to make my money back, but at least <laughs> some money in would be Listen, great. <laughs> is is nine ninety nine worth changing your life for the better? Is it? I mean, is it exactly? You know, yes. It's cheaper than a membership. That's right. <laughs> that's true. Well, if for thirty five dollars, will get you a membership. Yeah, right? that's you right. Can your own, well, you can start your own church then. Thank you. They can they can go to subgeniusmovie.com and if and Reverend Drummond, if they choose to want to join the church, how would they do that? Where would they go? They go to subgenius.com yeah. and look go. for the link that says new members. Fantastic. Well, I've got my hands in the air, raised to the, <laughs> to the heavens. And uh, I want to thank all, both of you very, very much for spending some time with us. Steve Wilcox, Dr. Phil, Philo Drummond, and also um, who is one of the founders of this amazing institution, as well as director, producer, and writer of J.R. Bob Dobbs in the Church of the Subgenius, and that would be Sandy K. Boone. Thank you so very much. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music